You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Slumber Party Podcast. I am Amanda Jusen, sleep lover, sleep needer, sleep haver. That is what I am. I'm so excited, and I say this every week along with I say this every week, but I am. I just, I love the guests that we have on this podcast. And today we are speaking with Azura Goodman, who is a lactation consultant, an IBLC, uh, inclusive feeder I just am obsessed with Azura. If you're on my Instagram, I just sing her praises um, all the time. And I was just so excited to have her on the podcast. And I know we've talked about breastfeeding and sleep on this podcast, but I get a lot of questions about breastfeeding. 95% of my clients are breastfeeding in, in our work together. Uh, those I don't think I've had not to my knowledge anyway, any clients who've had to stop breastfeeding as a result of uh, any sort of sleep work. And I love talking breastfeeding um, because I think a lot of people come to me and they are worried about their breastfeeding relationship. And then I'm going to tell them to stop breastfeeding and I'll never, ever do that because you don't have to. Anyway, with all that being said, Azura, thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. This is great. I also fangirl Amanda, so it's cool and... I, I am, I'm trying to figure out how I found out about you. I don't know how I found you. Do you remember? I don't, I don't know. I feel I, maybe, I don't know. One day I think you DM'd me. I probably followed I, you and then maybe you clicked on me and when, I remember a message from you and you were like, you are a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, I, I, okay, so last year when I did, I was looking for someone to come and talk about breastfeeding. And I went into like several mom's groups to be like, hey, uh, did anyone work with a lactation consultant that was also supportive of their sleep journey? I would love to talk to them. And no one wrote me back. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, I like reached out to a few people and there was nothing. I actually have a colleague in the States who is... um, not an IBLC, but like an, a lactation specialist, or there's a different uh, designation in the States. I Maybe think like you're... A, there's sort of... So the international designation is IBCLC, so International oh, Board sorry. Certified yes. Lactation Consultant. Don't worry, I forget it too. And, yeah. But I know there's also um, certified lactation educators, because it's actually a really yes. long journey with thousands and thousands of hours of like um, training and exposure to be an IBCLC. But there's mm-hmm. lots of great uh, lactation support that, that don't have that particular designation. However, yes. you, yeah. And all types of lactation support are good, including peer support, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So everyone, some people have different, uh, designations, but I'm also an RN, uh, who works with, uh, parents with perinatal, uh, mood disorders and infant feeding. Oh. So I think it's a, it's a good mix of, yeah. of designations yeah. for this. And yeah. I think oh. that's why I'm inclusive of the sleep mm-hmm. thing. Right. And of all types of feeding, and we're going to talk about breast and chest feeding today for the most part. Um, But I also like, 
a lot of my um, journey as a sleep consultant is, you know, assisting families with the sleep thing, but a huge part about sleep is feeding. Um, I don't know how to like, I, I, I don't know how you feel about this and you don't have to comment on this because I know it's like very controversial, but I feel like if you say anything that you're supportive of like bottle feeding or formula, it's like automatically you're suggesting like not supporting breastfeeding moms. It's like, no, I just support any way that you want to mm-hmm. feed your baby. I support anything that is, um, about giving you sanity. And so a lot of the times I see a lot of clients, and by the way, it's the same with sleep, right? Where we get obsessed with breastfeeding, we get obsessed with sleeping and it, it like drains the parent to their core. And I do start to worry about like, is it worth it when you're breastfeeding with this like distraught look on your face and your baby's like, is everything okay up there? Like, what are we doing? So then that's where like my mental health background comes in. And I wonder like, is it our, you know, is it always the best thing? And, and I breastfed both of my girls for as long as I possibly could. And they wanted to, and I love breastfeeding and I support it in my work, but there is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on parents. What are you seeing? I see a lot of pressure. I also just want to say that I am a lactation consultant and a registered nurse with an interesting perspective. I absolutely understand that breast milk is ideal with regards to decreasing health risks um, for the infant and being well tolerated by the baby's body. But I also understand that a lot of parents don't have access to exclusive breastfeeding or chest feeding because you know what, they might have to work or it might not work with a a medical treatment plan that they have or it might not work with their lifestyle. It might not bring out the best in them and it it might not work despite having done everything right. So I do talk about formula quite quite liberally and I talk about it um, as though it's, it's just as good as breast milk or human milk, chest milk. Um, because, because it is for, for a lot of folks, it's, it's a quite safe method. And I, I do believe everyone, everyone knows that, that breast milk is superior. And I don't think I need to belabor that. I don't need to, I, I don't think I need to hit people over the head with that information. You know, most parents are extremely educated, wise people with, with great instincts. And, and I don't think that they need to be reminded over and over that, that breast milk is best because I do believe most people know that and most people have the right to feel good about their parenting decisions, whatever they were. If formula wasn't safe, it wouldn't be on the market. It wouldn't be accessible to families. It's a great substitution when breastfeeding or chest feeding isn't working. And I just want people to feel like their best is enough. And I very proudly gave my baby formula as well because sometimes I forgot to pump. And so my <laughs> partner gave a bottle because I needed to friggin' sleep mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I think that's, yeah. And I think it, it's just really important. There's nothing wrong with bottle feeding. There's nothing wrong with formula. People have dedicated their entire lives to making formula mm-hmm. so that babies have something to drink when there's different reasons mm-hmm. why not to. Like for instance, I was separated from my baby because of a serious wound issue after a C-section. Mm-hmm. So and there's Sorry. tons of different reasons why. Oh, it's fine. I was just happy to have the baby. But uh, <laughs> but there's there's so many reasons why people don't breastfeed, and it doesn't matter. It shouldn't affect mm-hmm. anyone. And when people hire me, for instance, I work for you. 
So I want to support what you want to do. And I also want you to be the happiest thing. I think because mm-hmm. of my background, I really recognize that what a, yeah. well, a baby obviously well, needs food, a baby needs calories, but what a baby needs more than anything is a responsive parent mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is maybe not over the moon enjoying their parenting experience, but getting some joy out of it and yeah. is able to connect enough to read baby's cues. And so well, if that means you're giving a bottle, who gives a shit? Oh my God. So yes. And this episode is going to air after uh, this episode that I'm going to refer to. But if you listened to a few weeks ago, my interview with Bethany Saltman, who wrote the book, Strange Situation, all about the um, basis of attachment theory. So this idea like with uh, attachment parenting that your child has to be on you. Attachment parenting is the style of parenting that you choose, mm-hmm. but you can still have a wonderful attachment with your child simply by experiencing joy with them and wanting mm-hmm. to have an attachment with them and making them the apple of your eye. Like it's so easy to mm-hmm. have these attachments however the fuck you choose to feed, whether it's with your chest or with a bottle, it really doesn't matter. And I think like, that's what it comes down to for me that we're, we're kind of in both camps. Uh, I, yeah. It's so funny how I've evolved as a parent. Like I just think of all of the messages that were given to me when I had my girls and I was like, well, I did give formula, but then I felt bad at first. And then I was over it quite quickly, but it's like, there are these zealots and extremes and we can have so much gray in parenting as long as mm-hmm. you are responding to your child's in a loving way, whatever that is. Most mm-hmm. of the time, I should say. Because <laughs> yeah. there's going to be I times think, where I you don't. What, yeah, the only place for zealots is, is people being really passionate about people having the support that they mm-hmm. need if they want mm-hmm. to feed. A yeah. lot of people, feed, like like I said, don't feed for a lot of reasons. They could have sexual trauma and being touched in that area over and over can be really triggering. Mm-hmm. They could have specific sleep needs because they have a mental illness and they might have a job that's supporting their entire family. They might mm-hmm. have to go back to work after six weeks, even mm-hmm. in Canada, despite like there, there's just so many reasons. And I don't know, people who are zealots like that, like I think it's more about them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why people are so interested mm-hmm. in what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it makes me so upset if, if someone wants to support like the, the health of these babies, they should be supporting the health of the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with attachment theory and attachment parenting, I think attachment theory is based on science and research-based, whereas some attachment parenting that is really, really intense is more like people who've taken it out of context Mm -hmm. and made it very extreme to the point where sometimes your baby doesn't want to be on you. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other level of emotional intrusiveness that's Mm -hmm. not going to be supportive. Mm -hmm. So it's, you also have to read the cues of when baby wants to be put down Mm -hmm. and baby needs space away from you because it's, yeah, it's so tricky and nuanced, all of this stuff. Um, And then there's one more thing you said that uh, with regards to, like bottle feeding, connecting. And I think I have an interesting perspective because I have a female partner Mm -hmm. and my female partner has such a great level of attachment. And Mm -hmm. she's, she's not like a a female partner that fills a father role. She's a a female partner that fills another mother role. And we always incorporated bottle so that she could, and they have such a beautiful, secure attachment. So Mm -hmm. it's, I think that really speaks to parents who do no uh, breast or chest feeding at all Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like just so I wish I could like 
their relationship is so beautiful and, and secure. So it's, yeah, it, well, breastfeeding can be really supportive of attachment uh, for sure, especially if people are having a hard time attaching. We can yeah. use breast or chest feeding for it, but it's yeah. it's not necessary. Totally. I also think about um, same-sex male partners who mm-hmm. don't have the ability to breast or chest feed and to suggest that those partners don't attach with their child is wild to me. So then it all breaks down to, and which most of these episodes get down to patriarchal thinking, who benefits from this type of parenting style, um, what, what messages are being sent about parenting and motherhood specifically and women's roles within that. Um, you know, a lot of this, it, it, you know, these are choices, But in the end, I think we just need to be so grateful and happy that we live in a time where we can make choices about how we choose to parent and how we show up as the best parent. That's so great. So if these things, if, you know, co-sleeping, breastfeeding, those all work for you, then so awesome. Yay. But also it's not the only way. And just like sleep training and, you know, uh, bottle feeding is not the only way, right? There's so many ways to be an amazing parent. Um, And that's, I feel like the message I want to get across always. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that being said, so I come into the work and everyone's number one question, like I just got off a discovery call, but a half an hour ago, with a couple. And she's like, well, first and foremost, I just want to make sure that I can still breastfeed. And I was like, oh my God, you know, what a barrier to entry for me that people think that you can't breastfeed your child and sleep. And my story of that is always like, I always said I would do whatever I could as long as it served me, right? So breastfeeding was very easy for me. Um, But both of my girls stopped breastfeeding in the middle of the night when they were 12 weeks. Now, I had an unbelievable supply, and I know that had something to do with it. I also didn't make them stop feeding in the middle of the night. It's just what happened. So it's Mm -hmm. like that happens all the time really naturally, that babies sleep Mm -hmm. through the night without feeding. So, uh, yeah, I would love for you to kind of like speak to this myth. I know what I'm saying is kind of vague, but there babies don't have to eat in the middle of the night. And by the way, I support that they do. And we work that into plans, but sometimes we even like, I had a baby that I just started with this week. We worked into feedings. She has been sleeping through the night without waking for those feedings. No one made that happen. We had this plan. And then she was like, no, I'm cool. I get enough food. I get my calories during the day. Goodbye. But it it can just happen. And I think there's this message that no, if you're breastfeeding, you need to be breastfeeding all night or all mm-hmm. the time. I find a lot of the times some, well, not a lot of, very frequently I'll talk t- to folks and they'll be scheduling their feeds through the day. So there'll be a breast or chest feeding all, like every three hours or so. But sometimes if you take the schedule away and you let your baby feed uh, and then they want to feed an hour later and then it's three hours and it's 45 minutes, you've let them tank up as much as they need. And then their body chooses to sleep for a long period of time. And there you go. That's actually, people are going to hate us, Amanda, but that's actually what happened to me at, at 12 weeks as well. My baby just started sleeping through the night, but also people kept telling me like you feed your well, people, my mom and dad <laughs> and other, other folks are like, your baby sure likes that booby. Like she's always on there. Cause I let her feed as frequently as she wanted and, and tanked mm-hmm. her up 
she tanked herself up during the day mm-hmm. and, and slept, slept through the night. But yeah, I think the only time that a baby absolutely needs to be fed um, during the night if they're not asking for it is when they're below their birth weight mm-hmm. um, or there's specific medical issues or specific yeah. blood sugar issues. Or um, usually you would be told by a medical practitioner, you have to feed your baby in the night yeah. and you would follow that. Otherwise, um, if babies choose to sleep longer stretches, like the amount of people I talk to and I'm like, uh, they'll, they're telling me that they're waking their baby up in the night and they have this real chunker. And I'm like, is your baby waking up in the night? And they're like, no, no, no. But uh, at the hospital, they told us to wake our baby every three hours, but their baby's like two months old. Yes. And, and cranky because they're being woken up. And I'm like, let it sleep, let it sleep. But no, I think that you can, you can implement sleep programs for sure. If your baby is at a, a healthy weight and Mm -hmm. and typically what babies will do is flip to drinking more during the day so you'll often see them taking another feed or another maybe even two feeds during the day and Mm -hmm. and they'll make up for the calories in that way Mm -hmm. um and and typically the amount of milk that's taken out of like the breast or chest is replaced so if your baby Mm -hmm. is still taking lots of milk out during the day um Mm -hmm. despite having like a gap in feeds it's typically okay some people have a more vulnerable supply and they'll start Mm -hmm. to implement sleep programs and see a little bit of a dip and that might mean that um let's say you put your baby down at seven or eight uh, you might want to pump before you go to bed or if if you're really noticing a big dip um you might want to pump one time in the middle of the night which which sucks or um you can kind of give it a few give it a, a week or two see how it goes um, and maybe add another pump in during the day. There's lots of things we can do. I like working with families while they're working with sleep stuff to protect mm-hmm. the if the breastfeeding mm-hmm. relationship is really hard. Often yeah. you probably find this with your clients too. If if babies had like weight gain issues or or parents had supply issues at the start and they really worked so hard to get there and then they but they really want to do the sleep thing and then they tell you that they're like, but I worked so hard and I don't want to I don't want to mess up my breastfeeding experience. And so but there's there's ways of of meeting like the the sleep and and the feed needs it's all about creativity and understanding yeah. your particular body your particular supply but yeah totally. there's lots of lots of and ways to do it. it it's really important that before and i I'm, this is self this is a humble brag or self-congratulatory but <laughs> if even if you're not working with me you need to be asking these questions in your discovery call with your sleep consultant that they have a good handle on breastfeeding so they're not just like you know potentially being like well i guess your milk isn't there you should give it up, which I have heard, or, you know, doing what's easiest for the consultant, because it isn't always easy for the consultant, especially when there are supply changes, um, to get that supply back. Like you actually have to have, the person has to have a pretty good understanding of how your body or how breasts work, how chests work to feed a baby and not all consultants do. And I've heard some pretty insane things. So yeah, it's about most like 80 to 90% of my clients. I don't really like what, if they stop night feeding altogether um, and a lot don't, but if they do uh, the supply just kind of reallocates during the day, we don't seem to have a lot of issues with that. Um, Oh, you said something about getting up in the middle of the night and I, oh, well, no, it's got, well, I think I think it was around the idea of pumping and a lot of people uh, hate pumping. Um, And uh, I wanted to like, what I suggest is exactly what you said, like pump before you go to bed. I usually get away with pumping 
once in the morning after you fed your baby, Mm -hmm. especially if we can get to the point where we've, the the feed is gone. Mom usually wakes up kind of engorged. They feed Mm -hmm. the baby, but they have extra milk. So pump that then and let's get your body knowing like, hey, we extract a ton of milk at this time. Let's do this again tomorrow. And that's kind of the insurance policy I set to hopefully reallocate the milk to the daytime quicker. Yeah, Um, exactly. Because if that is the milk that would have been removed at night, it's the same difference, right? So if let's say you remove, you remove, we'll never know how much comes out of our breasts. It's always Mm -hmm. a mystery. You'll never know for people who want to know numbers. (laughs) But let's say you took 28 ounces out of out of the breast or chest uh, during the day at whatever point, that's typically how much is going to be replaced. And that could be at any time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like, I like what you're saying. That's exactly the, like very similar guidance to what I would encourage as well. I actually remembered what I was going to say. Exactly. So one of the things I love about your Instagram feed is like um, you're in uh, you're in favor of like sleep ins, like sharing sleep ins, which I think is like a parental savior and not a lot of people do it. Um, There's this guilt that like if we're going to be sleepless, we're sleepless together. And I am just very firmly going to tell you that that is not the right idea. You need one adult with a rest brain in it it doesn't have to be you it could be your partner um but you know part of what you talk about for breast and chest feeding parents is like pump a bottle so your partner can take over or like so you can get that extra hour of sleep or have that sleep in and it's so important it's so important to be able to do that Yeah. And even if you don't pump a bottle and it's here and there, like it's not Mm -hmm. one missing one feed isn't going to be the thing that's going to end your journey. Mm -hmm. And I think like, just like you said that tap each other out for your own relationship. And and you're a parent, you're a feeding parent, but you're also just a a person like that Mm -hmm. person needs rest. This isn't, you're not, we're in a society that is so different from how families used to be like there there would have been an auntie there would have been grandmas there there might also have been lactating other Mm -hmm. lactating parents who would have let you sleep and heal and they would have fed your baby so Mm -hmm. it's like you have to kind of creatively figure out how to to get to the point where you can get some sleep also if you've if you're the one who carried the baby like your body is recovering like you need that rest Mm -hmm. so uh, and that's why us practitioners like to say the most annoying words you'll ever hear, which is sleep when your baby sleeps. It's tough. That's, that's triggering. <laughs> it's really, I know. It's really hard to do. It's really hard yeah. to do. And I get that, it, that it's not always possible. So if you can't sleep when your baby sleeps, then then sleep when your partner's not. I like to say instead of sleep like your baby sleeps is parent your first, like it's your second child. (laughs) So, you know, and why, what I mean by that is I remember my in-laws came over with Winnie and we're like, we'll take the baby for the next while you go sleep. And I stayed in my room with my eyes wide open, totally terrified that the baby was downstairs without me. And this is, you know, first parent stuff. And then I went down, I was like, yeah, I slept. No, I didn't. I (laughs) did not. I couldn't. So, but then the second time that happened, my in-laws came over and they're like, go to sleep. And I did go to sleep because I knew (laughs) that it was, it was few and far between, but it, it can also be hard, especially in these pandemic times where families are trying to be, um, 
you know, careful with the amount of support they have in their homes. Um, you know, it, it is hard. So this is where like relying on your partner to, to help can mm-hmm. be, it's, it's, it's a survival skill, truly. Yeah. It's a survival skill. And to skill. be able to do that, you have to give your partner the opportunity to practice because of course you can do it better. Of oh, course oh. you can do it better. 100%. But it's, is your baby, I say this to my clients a lot, is the baby safe? Yeah. They're like, yeah, but, but they might put on the TV or they might, they might just put the baby on the play mat and, and play on their phone and, and okay. But the, is the baby <laughs> safe? Is the baby going to be okay? Is the baby going to, going to, you know, eat and be okay? Yes. And that's, yeah. the, and, and the more frequently, and not everyone has partners and I, I realize that, mm-hmm. but if you have the luxury of having a partner slowly building capacity where you can watch them mm-hmm. and, and you build trust with them as they build capacity in the role. Cause if someone threw a partner in who hasn't been given any opportunity to practice into like trying to calm a crying baby on their own, if they're going to panic and you're mm-hmm. going to see them panic and it's going to be like a cycle where you're like, just, just give the baby back to me. Don't worry about it. Um, and, so, yeah. And I don't want to like, this is, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Heteronormative statement. But a lot of men, if you do have a male partner, a lot of men haven't had the the coaching growing up that most women have in mothering techniques, right? So when my brother was born, I changed his diapers. Or, you know, well, many women grow up with these messages of like, you're the babysitter or come help me with the baby. And so I do think that is actually quite powerful in creating confidence for women. And men aren't provided those opportunities or haven't been as they've grown up. Um, I think that like my partner is for sure I do the part, the parenting stuff better than him, but he was never provided those opportunities growing up. And he's actually very sensitive and caring and extremely involved in his kids' lives. And he is by all accounts, a very modern progressive feminist partner, but he was never given those opportunities. And so when I see it a lot too, it's like, oh, don't do it like that. It's like, well, he doesn't know. And now we've just like, deflated his confidence and now he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do it like mm-hmm. aka this is exactly. what my husband does to me with cooking he'll be like okay <laughs> can you make some uh dinner i'm like yeah look at me make dinner he's like not like that oh god well, i'll just do it and oh so god. now i don't I'm cook. Really, i'm feeling her <laughs> i don't want my partner in the kit my partner is also a chef and i um yeah i I don't like them in the kitchen when I cook because I feel very watched. And they're like, so like, it's like, is that a dice? And I'm like, it's a- oh God, I can't, I can't. But that's, that's probably how it feels. Yes, I know. On the other side. It does. I never really thought about it that way, but. That is what yeah. it is. It's the exact same feeling where it's like, get out of here. Let me do it my own way. In the end, it's going to taste fine. But even it'll be like, huh, boiling water. Ooh, any salt in that? I'm like, just. Get out. I'm literally boiling water. You have you can have no criticism about boiling water. <laughs> um I was gonna uh I keep forgetting because we keep I could like talk to you about like my own personal stuff, like hey, so what's going on in your life? So I have to like stick to the topic. Um so yeah, on on that note, 
Um, I feel like part of getting partners involved, obviously, when you're breast or chest feeding is the idea of bottles. Many of my um, clients are terrified. Certain zealot um, lactation consultants don't uh, support bottle feeding, don't provide support for it. Like literally like this is how you bottle feed or this is how you pump. I've heard of clients being refused service because they brought a pump into their consulting appointment. Yeah. This is, yeah. So how do we get past that? And is like nipple confusion a thing? Mm, Good question. So, uh, for the record, I, I work with some, I work with adoptive parents who are exclusively bottle. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of bottle feeding issues that, that people have like gastroesophageal reflux or babies refusing the, anyways, that makes me really sad for those folks. And that's, that's not um, how a lot of the IBCLCs that I know or jive with practice with regards to nipple confusion. If things are going well for you for the first like month, five weeks, then you can start incorporating a bottle. And the key to incorporating a bottle is pacing the feed because we have to remember that that the organ that is the breast does not flow constantly. It Mm -hmm. flows in, you might have heard, letdowns Mm -hmm. or waves and then it kind of ebbs and then it will flow again. So what we want to do or you can work with someone or there's so many great YouTube videos on pacing a bottle feed. And part of pacing the bottle feed is one, decreasing the gravitational force so the bottle is more horizontal than you think. Like the end of the nipple is full, but you, the, the rest of the nipple might not be. Um, so that baby has to suck and actually remove the milk rather than it just flowing down for them. Another one is every like 30 or 45 seconds is you're keeping that nipple in the baby's mouth, but you're actually dipping it below their lips. So there's no flow. So they have to suck for a bit. Nothing's happening. And then the milk flows again. You bring mm. it back up. You're not taking the bottle out so they don't freak out, <laughs> but you're just flowing it down. And then, and they, they're usually like, okay, they just suck, 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 you, you know, a few beats and you bring it back up to that horizontal level and they suck to remove it. And so if you're pacing the feeds, um, another thing that will that will help, one, it will mimic the breast or chest a little bit more, but they'll also not overeat. So just mm-hmm. like us, it's easier to overeat with the bottle because it's flowing so much. Mm-hmm. So just like us, we'll overeat. Like it takes a while for our stomach to catch up kind of with our brain or the other mm-hmm. way around or mm-hmm. however people say that. Um, and same, same thing with the baby when you pace the feed. And, and I'd say every like you know, three or four minutes fully taking the bottle out of the mouth and just checking in is baby protesting and wants it back. Or are they just looking around and like looking at you and they're actually, because a lot of people will, will feed these jumbo bottles mm-hmm. and which is, it's, it's, it's fine, but just make sure that that's what baby needs. Cause if you overfeed with the bottle with like formula or express milk, baby might not feed for a while. Baby mm-hmm. might not feed for five or six hours. And that's when it can start affecting your supply because they've mm-hmm. been overfed mm-hmm. at the at the bottle, yada, yada, yada. So I think paste bottle feeding, which is super easy to learn. You don't need a professional to teach you, um, can can really help. But with regards to nipple confusion, no. And another thing that's confusing for parents is <laughs> parents being told not to give a pacifier, but that a pacifier yeah. can reduce the chances of SIDS. What are, what are people supposed to do with that information? I don't know. <laughs> so I... Wait, do we give it? I, I, I remember being so afraid to give Winnie the bottle because I love breastfeeding and I didn't want her to be confused, but let me like in my experience and now working with so many mothers, like literally thousands of mothers, I can tell you that 
baby always loves the boob more. It is so rare. They're, they don't even want that fucking bottle. They want your boob. You're like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, meaning that when you first start, they're like, what is this? It's not like they're like, this is so much better. Like my kids, I mean, loved (laughs) boob. I have the giant chunky ass photos of them to prove it. Um, Okay. Azura, I, I, we are nearing like the end of my crap nap timing. Um, so I'm going to stop it where we have some good information. That was so helpful. I didn't even know about this pace bottle feeding. So I'm going to look into this. Um, if you work with me, anyone who works with a baby's best sleep consultant, uh, I actually commissioned Azura to create a, a guide for me in case there are um, changes in your night feeding schedule. So uh, if you like what you hear, she's she's like a, a mini prog- part of our programming. Um, but also, I refer so many people to you because you're so lovely, non-judgmental, and awesome. Um, but it, where can people find out more about you and your wonderful ways? Yeah. So check me out on Instagram. So it's at Azura Infant Feeding. Also, my website is www.azurainfantfeeding.com. And yeah, I've, I've been doing this now for about eight years um, privately just just for a shorter while because I I always worked as an RN kind of in this role. And yeah, if you want someone without an agenda and someone that is going to build you up instead of laying on the guilt and give you evidence-based strategies that are grounded in reality, hit me up. I love what I do. I love working with, I love baby so much, but I also just like knowing that people are able to enjoy their parenting experience a little bit more and building up the confidence that you know, you knew it all along. I'm mm-hmm. just there to facilitate it. You're the one doing the work. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to work with you. It's it's my Yay. absolute pleasure in this life. Uh, you are the best. I'm not lactating anymore, but I just want to hire you to like, <laughs> tell me things. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone. And as always, if you are looking to sleep, you can hit up our website, babiesbestsleep.com, book a consult, a free discovery call with myself, any member of my amazing team. Um, if you are not looking for that, you're just looking for a few little tips and tricks, you can head over to uh, my Instagram at babiesbestsleep or the blog, or I mean, you're here, you're listening to this podcast. This is pretty great too. Uh, hopefully you're sleeping. Have a great day, everyone. And thanks for coming. Bye.